Please pray with me. Open the eyes of our heart, Father God, and we ask that you speak your words of wisdom into our lives that we may live by the power of Christ and the cross today and into the future. We pray in his name. Amen. Today we're continuing with our Church Alive series, and the focus today is on worship, alive in worship. And after singing that hymn, it sounds like you're alive, but we're going to double check. We're going to begin this morning and check our physical aliveness by checking our pulse. Yes, I said we're going to check our pulse, okay? It's a little like Luther who reminded believers of their physicality and vulnerability to sin when they thought frequency in the communion um, was unnecessary. They knew that they were forgiven, and he told them to pinch themselves and to make sure that they were still living in sinful bodies and in a sinful world. So we're going to take two fingers, all right, these two fingers. We're going to find the radial pulse right below your thumb, or you can take it um, in, in your carotid artery, pulse, you feel it? When you, when you felt a pulse, everybody feeling a pulse? Oh, come on, humor me, my last Sunday here, come on. All right, you're feeling it? Okay, I'll start you, we'll, we'll count how many pulses there are, your, so you know your heart is working the way it should be, um, in 30 seconds, and then you double that, and a healthy pulse is between 60 and 100, unless there we've got some incredible runners and athletes here, and then you'll probably have a lower one. And if anyone has a higher one, okay. Do we have a nurse or doctor in the congregation this morning? Uh, okay. Taking, I'll give you a start. One, two, three. Now start counting. Okay, everybody normal, in the normal range? You know, we don't know what to do with silence like that in church, do we? We somehow want to fill silence, but you know, part of worship, part of our coming into the presence of God, connecting with God, is silence. In the psalm, it says, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we're in such a hurry to fill the spaces of our life with conversations and thoughts and actions that being still for a while is really foreign to our experience. It's good to know that all of you have a pulse, and it's a healthy pulse. We're physically alive. So let's consider how to be spiritually alive. I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 5, 15 through 20 again, but I'm going to read it from the contemporary English version. Act like people with good sense and not like fools. These are evil times, so make every minute count. Don't be stupid. Instead, find out what the Lord wants you to do. Don't destroy yourselves by getting drunk, but let the Spirit fill your life. When you meet together, sing psalms, 
hymns and spiritual songs as you praise the Lord with all your heart. Always use the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to thank God the Father for everything. We're all about being alive in worship today. Well, worship, other words for that, that word are adore, admire, dote, esteem, exalt, love, magnify, regard, revere, reverence, and venerate. In the Soul Survivor magazine, the writer asked, why is it that if you go to a football match and shout, clap, and jump up and down, you are designated a true fan? But as a follower of Jesus, if you clap, shout, and jump up and down, you become a fanatic. Now, I grew up in the church. There were things that were told to me or I just saw demonstrated that were acceptable and other things that were communicated that were unacceptable. And for many of us, we grew up coming into church and not showing a lot of responsiveness. Oh, we stood at the right time. We sat at the right time. We folded our hands and bowed our head and closed our eyes at the right time. We picked up the hymnal. We sang at the right time. But those things were sort of told us to do. Those were sort of part and parcel of the furniture and all the things that are in place. But if someone actually got up during a service or a sermon and danced around in the front, unless they were a three-year-old, they were weird. You didn't do it. And if anybody during a sermon felt so moved by the Spirit and said, Amen, Pastor, sing it again, say it again. We thought they were really weird, and the ushers were moving forward to move that person out of the congregation. I want to give you absolute permission to let the Spirit move you. Now, that means you have to be open to the Spirit, and that means that the bottom line is this. Whether we're in church or we walk out that door, we're at work, we're in a restaurant, we're with friends, we're at a ball game, we're doing whatever we do in our life that you are moved by not what impresses other people, but you are doing what pleases God and God alone because he alone holds our lives in the palm of his hand. In fact, he says that he writes us our names on the palm of his hand So he remembers, and that in itself is a mysterious statement because God doesn't forget anything. The same way he says he separates our sins from us as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers them no more. How can you do that, God? But that's what he says to us. He assures us that he is God. He is Lord of all. And what pleases him should be our motivation in worship here or in worship when we step out in the world outside of these doors. Luther said, God gave me five senses. It is sheer ingratitude to worship him with any less. There we have it. 500 years, Luther, the Reformation, he says it's all right. Get happy. Get moving. Respond to the Lord because he's the one who deserves the praise, the honor, and the glory. If you want to stand up and say hallelujah, 
do it. Now, we do everything decently in order. That's what the scripture also tells us. So we balance it. But I've been in those situations where someone gets up and part of their expression is dance. Or part of their expression is a tambourine. Or part of their expression is a musical instrument. I almost got wiped out one time by a whirling dervish in the back of, the, of a church. Because I got up because it was a long service and my back was starting to hurt me. And as I did, at the same time, a young man got up and he started doing pirouettes. And pinned me against the wall. I was going to be taken out by a pirouette. And as I was standing there, I was thinking, man, we need you to come to some of our Lutheran services. But then we'd have the ambulance ready, just in case. A duck hunter took his new hunting retriever out in his first hunt, and soon he shot a duck, and it fell into the lake, splat, The dog walked over the water, picked up the duck, and brought it back to his master. The hunter, at that moment, was flabbergasted, and he shot another duck. Once again, that dog walked out on the water while he rubbed his eyes in disbelief, retrieved the duck, and brought it back. Uh, He could barely believe what he was seeing, so he asked a neighbor to go hunting with him the next day, and once again, each time he or his neighbor shot a duck, the dog would walk out and bring the bird in. The owner said nothing, and neither did his neighbor. And finally, he couldn't contain himself any longer, and he blurted out, did you notice anything strange about that dog? The neighbor scratched his head, and he finally said, come to think of it, I did. That son of a gun can't swim. (laughs) Now, you know what? We can be all around the majesty of God, the life of God, the cross, emanating out in magnificent love and life, and we can look right past it and see something else. We can sometimes miss what God is doing. The power of the Holy Spirit moving in people's hearts, moving in a way that opens them up to the grace and mercy of God. And sometimes we miss those important parts of worship. That's why Paul wrote to the Ephesians, those early Christians, new Christians, to encourage them to make different kind of choices in the pagan society around them. They lived in Ephesus, where there was one of the Seven Wonders of the Ancient World, the Temple of Artemis. It was a magnificent edifice. It had taken 220 years to carve this temple out of marble. And in the center of it was this image of a a goddess, Artemis, or Diana, she's called as well. And it was made from a piece of meteorite, a black meteorite. And it had been carved, um, and it was a temple dedicated to a fertility goddess that was very common in that part of the world. It It was ancient, and people came actually, literally, from all over the world to make pilgrimages. It was a huge identification for the entire city. They had celebrations. They sang in the streets. They got excited about every part and parcel of this celebration to this goddess because their whole life was around fertility, whether it was fertility in the soil or fertility in, in, in human beings. 
And so people came with that focus on making sure that they did everything pleasing to this goddess in order that they might get what they wanted. And all of Ephesus was identified with it. So when Christians who came to a different understanding, a different knowledge, and a faith relationship through Jesus Christ, they were still very much a part of that culture and needed to have someone like Paul speak in and define what it now means. Take that enthusiasm which is directed toward a pagan, empty, useless goddess and turn it to the true God. And here's what we need to do. He told them that you need to live. Peripateo is the Greek word there. Peripateo is also the word that we use for walk. Um, Walk. Live every day. How often do you walk? How many steps do you walk? Every step you take, we live because of Jesus Christ. We live in worship with God. Walk. A life of joy and praise. Redeeming, he said, buying back the time as Christ had redeemed. He redeemed by paying a price for each one of us on the cross. The Greek word for time used here is chiron. Usually we use chronos. Chronos is what we have measured in the back with a clock. You have on your wrist. You have on your phone. We're always thinking time. When people come to worship, they're always thinking time. When does it start? When does it end? I have other things that I've planned, timed in my life. We are invited to understand our worship relationship with a living God as kairos. It means something entirely different than chronos. It means not just marking or measuring the time, but these times where one worships our magnificent God in private or with others in public as a fork in the road or decisive moments that affect every part of their life. That means when you come to worship God intends for something significant to happen, not for us to just come, sit our bottoms down in the pew, stand up at the right time, and say all the right things, and then go out. No, the living God has come here to meet us. Some people come out of worship and they say, eh, that music, that didn't affect me. They were sour. They were off. I noticed them when the choir sang. You know, they didn't sing all the right notes. They played some wrong notes. Or, I don't really like that hymn at all. I don't really like that song. Or, you know, an instrument is too loud. Would you tone it down? Would you? I've heard so many comments about superficial things in worship over the 35 years that I've been in ministry and also as I've worshipped. It grieves my soul that people have no understanding anymore of what worship is all about. And when people leave unfulfilled, it's a double tragedy. Because who failed to show up? God was here. We began in his name. And he's ready to do business. He's ready to speak into our lives. He knows exactly what we need to hear. Every time we come to worship... This is a moment in time that affects every part of our life as a grateful, mature, joyful, witnessing believer. It's both invitational, we come. Jesus said, come unto me all ye that are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. When God rested on the seventh day, it was not because God was tired. 
He neither slumbers nor sleeps. He rested to give us the standard for what it means to have spiritual rest. Put aside all of those urgencies and come into my presence and let me minister to you in body and soul. I think sometimes we don't have answers to prayers that we're bringing dutifully is because we're really not expecting God sometimes to answer. What if all of a sudden we did have healings in a worship service? Would it blow you away? Said, well, no, that's Oral Roberts stuff. I'm not dealing with that. What if we really had someone say, I hear the word of Christ and I'm coming to the altar because my life needs Jesus Christ. What would we do? I've been, in con- I've been in services where at the end of the worship, we're praising and receiving the benediction, and someone has a heart attack. Boom! Do you step over them? Do you go on with the service as if it's business as usual? No. You know what we do? We stop the service, and we minister to that person because that's what the household of faith does. That's what worshiping people connected with the love of God do. They're moved by love. That's what brought Christ to the cross. Love for us. Not because you and I deserve it. Not because we're smarter than anyone else. Not because we're capable better than anyone else. No, because he knew that we were all in the same melting pot. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God must come to us. And that's exactly what he did in the person of Jesus Christ. This is a time that's invitational and it's inspirational. It's a time to be constantly filled with God the Holy Spirit. You know, that's, if you read that passage, it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be dr- getting drunk because uh, highs that come from alcohol or other things that are out there now are temporary. We have to find a different way to deal with our stress and our problems and our our struggles and our hurts and our pains and all the kinds of things, physical and emotional and psychological, that people are um, dealing with. Everybody is dealing with something. Some deal with it in a healthy way. Some others deal with it in an unhealthy way. But all of us as believers are certainly called to come and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in that Greek, it means a present tense. That's important because it says there's a filling of the Holy Spirit every time you come. We need a filling of the Holy Spirit. It's not just at one time at baptism. It's a constantly, not a temporary high, but a lasting joy. Someone said it's not how much we have of the Holy Spirit, but how much the Holy Spirit has of us. The invitation and the inspiration this morning and this moment is to know the power of the cross and to celebrate the love of God in Christ for you moving you to believe with expressed joy, with gratitude and praise, exuberantly alive and sharing this good news with the people in your life. You know, we could look at all kinds of programs in every church and we could say, let's change this, let's alter this system, let's make this different. But what it really comes down to is every believer being alive in Jesus Christ. When you come, you know you're connecting with the living God. And you connect with one another because you're connecting with the living God. And when you walk out of here, you have been at a crossroads in the presence of the holy God. Is that what worship is for you? I invite you to discover 
that kind of connection with God. I close with the words from this song. It says, you say, and it's one that's being played, getting airtime right now. Because we have a world out there that doesn't know what goes on inside churches and doesn't really care, or so they think. I was just at a wedding last night, and though I've counseled and know the couple, the difficulty with weddings is that you're not just speaking to the couple and have a relationship with them because you have bridesmaids and the, the groomsmen and you have family and friends and you have extended kinds of things that are all swirling around this happy celebration, this event. And you want to enter into that moment of celebration. But it's difficult sometimes because people are not on the same page. And so even when you share scripture, when you share the power of the cross, when you share the need in marriage for the third party to make it work, God himself, it sounds so foreign because everyone is certain that they know what they're doing and how they're going to do it and make everything turn out wonderful. The problem with most wedding days is that there's a marriage afterwards. (laughs) And that's when the nitty-gritty happens. Is every day, every day, every day. All the things that were said last night, either at the ceremony or in the, the best wishes of those who stood in the bridal party, they all love the person. They all love the things the person and wanted to say the very best for them, but they couldn't guarantee one thing for them. There's only one who's in charge of that. And that's, again, Almighty God. So whether we please him here and we please him out there, he's the one that has the last and final word. I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just the sum of every high and every low? Remind me once again who I am because I need to know. You say I'm loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I'm strong when I think I'm weak. You say I'm held when I'm falling short. When I don't belong, you say I am yours and I believe. I believe what you say of me. I believe. The only thing that matters now is everything you think of me. In you I find my worth. In you I find my identity. You say I'm loved when I don't, can't feel a thing. You say I'm strong when I think I'm weak. You say I'm held when I am falling short. When I don't belong, you say I'm yours. And I believe, I believe what you say of me, I believe. Taking all I have and now I'm laying at your feet. You have every failure, God. You have every victory. You say I'm loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I'm strong when I think I'm weak. You say I am held when I'm falling short. 
when I don't believe. You say I am yours, and I believe. I believe. What you say of me, I believe. Oh, I believe. Yes, I believe. What you say of me, I believe. If you go on YouTube, you hear this song, see the words, you see comments that follow after. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm greatly distressed by comments at the end of someone's post. You've had that experience? Where people say the foulest, ugliest, vilest possible things. Have you seen that? But I want you to know if you go on this song, you will find people who are at the point of committing suicide. And when they heard this beautiful music, when they read those words, the Holy Spirit, through the airwaves, changed what they understood about themselves and about their life. And all of a sudden, they came alive when they felt as if they were dead and nobody cared about them. This is the living God that we serve. He inhabits and fills creation. He even chooses by faith to inhabit you and me. So when you walk out of here today, the living God, the Alpha and the Omega, the Son of God who went to the cross died a death for you and for me and the sins of the world who rose again to proclaim that all who believe in him are alive and that power of God the Holy Spirit who is your counselor, your teacher, your reminder of everything that you have heard over all the years of sitting in church and worshiping, all the times of sitting in your private homes and having devotions and worship so that you are fully equipped to live joy and praise and gratitude to the living God. And I want to tell you, get ready. When you live that way, get ready. Because God is waiting for you to step into people's worlds all over again. Even people that you've known for a long time. But if you are living in the life of the living God, everything will change. Get ready for people to respond to that living God living inside you. And whatever God asks you, however impossible, and it has to be impossible, if he's going to ask you to do it, because you won't be able to, I won't be able to, but the living God will be able to do whatever he asks you to accomplish. Now, that's not the Apostles' Creed up there on the screen. (laughs) But I'm going to ask you, these words that you've just heard, Do you believe? Do you believe? And if you really believe these words, if you really believe the words from this living God who lives inside of you, then say with a worshipful, reverent gratefulness and an excitement, I believe. I believe. Amen. God bless you.